I want to take as my text this morning that reading from 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 362, 2 Kings chapter 2, and beginning at verse 1, which I'd like us to read again just so it's fresh in our minds. 2 Kings chapter 2 and beginning at verse 1 where we read, And when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, live I will not leave you. And so they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets who went and stood at some distance from them. They were standing by the Jordan, watching. And then Elijah took the cloak from around him and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and the two of them walked across on dry ground. And when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And Elijah said, You've asked a hard thing. And yet if you see me when I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they went on and as they talked, Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father! My father! The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan River. And then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. This morning I want to talk about having what you need in order to do what God is calling you to do. (laughs) Having what you need to do what God is calling you to do. 
In John 15, Jesus says something rather, rather interesting. In fact, it uh, might even be taken sort of in, in a, maybe sound discouraging. Je- Jesus in John 15 and verse, verse 5 said to his disciples, Without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> nothing. And then we read in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, something that uh, Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. Maybe you even take it as a sort of an antidote to what Jesus said. And that is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> and taken together, these two scripture verses speak both of the divine, of both of the necessity of divine equipping and the effectiveness of divine equipping. And that if we would do what God is calling us to do, we must do it in the power that He provides. And what we have in our text this morning is essentially a story about divine equipping, a story about Elisha, the prophet, getting what he needed in order to do what God was calling him to do. And so we read in our text, beginning at verse 1, and when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now, Elijah, of course, is the great prophet. This is the same Elijah who will return in the last days. This is the same Elijah that appeared together with Moses and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Elisha is Elijah's protege, whom God had told Elijah that he should anoint Elisha to be his successor. And and in Gilgal, which is the town referenced here firstly, in Gilgal existed a community of prophets that's called throughout our text the sons of the prophets. There were these communities. We might even think of them as sort of monasteries, but common communities where these prophets lived. And Elijah was their father, spiritual father, and he would go to them to these various different places, sort of on a circuit, and check in with them and teach them and so on. And he seems to be doing this now for the last time. And in verse 3, or I should say, uh, uh, before we get to that, back in verse 1, this reference to the Lord taking Elijah to heaven by a whirlwind is a reference to the end of Elijah's ministry and the beginning of Elisha's ministry, at least as Elijah's prophetic successor. In verse 2 we read, And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Stay here in Gilgal. You're a prophet. (laughs) Stay with the sons of the prophets here in Gilgal because God has called me to Bethel, which is about eight miles south of where they were. You stay with the sons of the prophets. But verse 2, as it continues, Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I won't. And so they went down together to Bethel from Gilgal. In verse 3, and the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel, because there were sons of the prophets at Gilgal, and there was a community of the sons of the prophets at Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha, and they said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you? Indeed, the sons of the prophets at Bethel knew 
what was going on, perhaps by divine revelation. They were prophets after all. And so they knew about it. They were wondering if Elisha knew. <laughs> and Elisha said in verse 3, yes, I know. Keep quiet. In other words, I don't want to talk about it. I know to answer your question, but I don't want to talk about it. And perhaps uh, this was because Elisha was sad about what he knew. As the sons of prophets, the sons of the prophets knew that Elijah was uh, coming to the close of his ministry. He was going to be taken away from Elisha. Elisha had been with him several years now. As Elijah's protege. Perhaps he further, he didn't want to talk about it because maybe Elisha was a little nervous. <laughs> Elijah was going to be gone and he was now going to be Elijah's successor. How's that going to work out? Kind of like Joshua, maybe concerned of having to take the place of Moses. Verse 4, and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here in Bethel because the Lord has called me to Jericho. You stay here with the sons of the prophets in Bethel. God is calling me to Jericho, some 14 miles east of where they were in Bethel. But Elijah said in verse 4, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets that were in Jericho drew near to Elisha and said, Do you know that today the Lord is going to take your master from you? And Elisha said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. And then Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord is sending me to the Jordan. You stay here with the sons of the prophets, Elisha. God has called me to the river Jordan, some four miles east of where they were. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives. And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them went on. In verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophets from Jericho, they also went and they stood at a distance from Elijah and Elisha as they were both standing by the river Jordan. The sons of the prophets are watching. <laughs> What's going to happen next? Verse 8, and then Elijah took his cloak, which was this outward symbol of the divine power that he had been granted by God. Most like Moses' staff, which he used to part the waters of the Red Sea, that when he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And so on. When he touched the Nile it, with his staff, it turned to blood. And Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the waters of the Jordan and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Verse 9, and when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And now Elisha wants to talk. Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. You're going away. I can't rely on you anymore. 
and I'm supposed to be your successor? I've seen the things you've done. How am I supposed to pull that off? Grant to me a double portion of your spirit. Now, Elisha here isn't saying, I want twice as much as what you have, which is what we might think of when we first look at it. In fact, this is traditional inheritance language. Indeed, according to Mosaic law, when a father, father's estate was to be divided up amongst his heirs, the eldest son was designated a double portion of all that his father owned. No matter how many siblings were to get an inheritance, and however that was divided, the oldest son got two. And that's what Elisha is saying to Elisha. The sons of the prophets are in Gilgal, they're in Jericho, they're in Bethel, but I'm your, I'm your, I'm your eldest son. I'm your protege. I'm your successor. What he's saying is, grant to me what you have so that I can be that successor. Indeed, if I am to do what God is calling me to do, I'm going to need divine enablement like the divine enablement that you have enjoyed as you have carried out your ministry and you have done what God has called you to do. In verse 10, we read, and Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. Indeed, what he was asking of Elijah was an impossible thing. It wasn't even a thing that Elijah had the power to do. But he said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me when I'm taken from you, it shall not be so. Verse 11, and as Elijah and Elisha still went on and they were talking, Maybe Elijah telling him, you know, some of the very last things he needed, maybe some reminders to Elisha what to do when he was gone and Elisha was the great prophet of Israel. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated them. What is this? We don't exactly know. Maybe there's some hints. In fact, there's a scripture, right, that his, his angels, his messengers are a flame of fire sent to protect those who are the heirs of the kingdom of God. In chapter 6 of this second, same second book of Kings, there's this suggestion that this chariots of fire and the horses of fire are members of the angelic host, God's angelic army. And here, a contingent of that army, a small contingent, chariots of fire and horses of fire, separated Elijah from Elisha. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Indeed, his ministry doesn't end in death. His ministry ends in, if you like, divine assumption. In fact, there's only one other person in the Old Testament mentioned that experiences similar thing, and that was Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. And Enoch was, was not because he was taken. And this, all of this list of all these people who died and so and so taken and was not before, because before he was taken, he had 
this reputation that he walked with God. And so the same here with Elijah. Verse 12, and Elisha saw it. Well, you know what comes after that. If you see me when I'm taken, you will receive that double portion. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, calling out to Elijah. Elijah was his spiritual father. Elijah had been a spiritual father to the sons of the prophets in Gilgal, in Bethel, in Jericho, and to Elisha most of all who was his disciple and his servant. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elijah was seen no more. In fact, if you read on in the second chapter, the, 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 the sons of the prophets in Jericho said to Elisha, should we go out and search for Elijah? Maybe God set him down somewhere else. And Elisha said, don't do it. And he said, but this, and he insisted until he couldn't take it anymore. And Elisha said, go look for him. <laughs> and so they went and looked for him. And they could not find him anywhere. And then Elisha, we read in verse 12, Grieving the loss of his master, took hold of his clothes and the Middle Eastern tradition and tore them in two pieces in grief and mourning. Verse 13, and Elisha took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen when he was taken up into heaven. And Elisha went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. Verse 14, and Elisha took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and he struck the water, and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water was parted to one side and the other, and Elisha went over. I love what it says in verse 15, not part of our text, but there it is. And when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw Elisha opposite them, there he is. They said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. <laughs> Christine Kane, in an article that I read some time ago, published in Bible study magazine wrote this. She said, whatever God is calling you to do, God is enabling you to do. Indeed, the carrying out of a divine calling cannot be done any other way. Remember, what did Jesus say? Without me, you can do nothing. Unless what we're doing, we're doing in our own power. Oh, we can pull that off. But in that case, what we're doing is not the work of God, but it is a work of the flesh. And that even if what we're doing we call ministry. <laughs> I know only too well, personally, that ministry can be carried out either in the power of the Spirit and the, or the power of the flesh. But when I'm doing it in the flesh, it's not God's work. It's just mine. 
J.R. Packer, in his book, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, wrote, Supernatural living by means of supernatural enabling is at the very heart of New Testament Christianity. And so I wonder, what is the power that lies behind the things that you're doing, even if those things are what we commonly call ministry? Having what you need to do what God is calling you to do. Let us pray. We don't want, Lord, to operate in the flesh. We don't want to have, as Paul wrote about, a form of godliness and yet denying the power thereof. We want to do the work you have called us to do in your power. In fact, we cannot do what you mean when you call us to what you're calling us to in our own power. That's not what you want. That's not the result you're looking for. You're looking for much fruit. You're looking for spiritual fruit. And spirit fruit is born because the Spirit is alive in us and active. There's no longer I, as Paul said, but Christ, the Son, living in me. The spirit of Elijah is now on Elisha. We see it. And Lord, you know as we read on in 2 Kings, interestingly enough, Elisha did do twice as much as Elijah had done before him. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, deliver us from the demonic lie that we wouldn't enjoy it if we were. <laughs> that, that we would be missing out on something if we gave our lives completely over to you and allowed the Spirit to infuse us and bear His fruit through us. That we would be missing out. Help us to remember that every idol that we serve and try to fit in that God-shaped hole that is within us doesn't work because it's not God-shaped. And help us, Lord, to believe and embrace that everything we would ever look for in an idol is found truly in you and that there is nothing to be gained through complete submission, but complete joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.